morning and welcome to worship this morning at Selwyn Avenue Presbyterian Church on this fourth Sunday of Lent. We are so glad that you have joined us this morning from wherever you may be here in Charlotte or much further away. My name is Lisa McLennan and I'm one of the pastors here on staff at Selwyn Avenue Presbyterian Church. And here at Selwyn, we seek to be an authentic and intergenerational community that works hard at uh, focusing on God and each other in intentional and tangible ways. If you are interested in learning more about what it might mean to belong here at Selwyn, or if you are already a member of our community and need to be in touch with us, you may find my information as well as all of our staff on our church website. A few announcements this morning before we get started with worship. We have a congregational meeting at noon today, and we hope you will join us for some exciting conversations about where we have been and what we hope to do moving forward. You should have received a Zoom link in your email to join in that conversation. Also this afternoon from three to five, right here outside, uh, our youth will be participating in the first second Sunday service opportunity. We'll be packing food bags from our food pantry for uh, families in the Montclair community and hope you will remember to join us. Speaking of our food pantry, we've offered three mission opportunities for you this Lenten season and we hope you will join in and participate. Uh, the food pantry, we're going to empty it today, so we really need you to help us restock it starting tomorrow over these next couple of weeks. Also, we have a sign-up genius for welcome home kits for our neighbors leaving homelessness and entering back into a safe home. We also invite you to participate in our Lenten offering, which will help support the ongoing work of the Greater Enrichment Program, offering uh, after-school and summer care for Montclair children. We are eager to gather back with you in person, and we want you to know that our first outdoor Sunday service will begin next Sunday, March 21st at 5 p.m. out on the lawn, and we hope you will join us. Uh, those of you may remember Eli Winkenwerder, and uh, Eli and his band will be back uh, providing our music opportunities, and you won't want to miss that. Our COVID task force has been hard at work helping us figure out how to safely regather uh, we will be reopening the sanctuary for worship on Easter Sunday, so look for news about that and how you might sign up to join us. There are lots more announcements you can read about in our church notes on the bulletin and in our chat feed today. But for now, let us prepare our hearts and minds to worship God. Please rise in body or in spirit and join me in our call to worship. Lord, you have heard our cries. You have heard our prayers. From the ends of the earth, we call to you. Lead us to the rock that is higher than ourselves. For you have been our refuge, a strong tower against our adversities. We long to dwell in your tent forever and take refuge in the shelter of your wings. We lift our praise and sing to your new name and fulfill our vows day after day. Hear the 
of salvation, Jesus died to show God's love. Such great kindness, such great mercy, come to us from heaven above. Jesus Christ, with much I love you, Jesus Christ, you save from sin. How I love you, look upon me, love me still and cleanse within. All the sins I have committed to my Savior now I bring. I bow down with tears of anguish, Christ forgives and so I sing. Jesus Christ, how much I love you. Jesus Christ, you saved from sin. How I love you, look upon me. Love me still and cleanse within. You may be seated. Friends, our God is merciful and compassionate. God is one that is slow to anger and filled with unfailing love. And God is close to all of those who call on God in truth. God listens to our cries and God helps us. So now let us together bring our confession before God, knowing that God will hear us and forgive us. Let us pray. Lord, we all too often wander from your path of righteousness. You say to us, follow me, and instead we follow our own selfish ambitions, desires, and wants. Like your disciples, we struggle with doubt, fear, and uncertainty. We confess these things lead us to close our fists instead of offering open hands to serve you. Teach us to follow even when it's hard and inconvenient. Forgive us. May your grace wash over and remind us. Renew us. Restore us. Resurrect us. Amen. Friends, hear now these words of assurance from Ephesians. By grace you have been saved and raised up and seated in the heavenly place in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it's a gift of God, not the result of works so that no one may boast. For we are what God has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel in Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, as we turn to your word, may your spirit rest upon us. Help us to be steadfast in our hearing, in our speaking, in our believing, and in our living. Amen. Continuing in our Lenten ser sermon series, Walking with Jesus Through the Gospel of Mark, we have followed Jesus in and out of the desert, up and down mountains, and back and forth over the water. This week, we will plant our dusty feet in Jerusalem, but we are going to hop over his triumphant entry as we will celebrate that in just two short weeks. Friends, we are not far from the cross. The tone as we journey closer changes because we know that suffering and pain and death are on the horizon. There's an urgency, and in today's story of Jesus cleansing the temple, we see a different Jesus. He is mad and he is frustrated and upset. And filled with righteous indignation, Jesus causes a scene in the temple. 
We are now at the point in the gospel where we are experiencing Jesus' last days, the final places where he walked, where he taught, where he sat and ate and prayed, and today where he is flipping tables. So let us follow Jesus as we explore today's text. The cleansing of the temple comes from Mark chapter 11, verses 15 through 19. Hear now the word of God. Then they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who were selling and those who were buying. He overturned the tables of the money changers in the seats of those who sold doves, and he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. He was teaching and saying, Is it not written? My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. And when the chief priests and the scribes heard it, they kept looking for a way to kill him, for they were afraid of him, because the whole crowd was spellbound by his teaching. And when evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. 365 days, 52 weeks, 525,600 minutes. No, we're not going to sing our way into the sermon this morning. I will spare you that. Friends, this is the length of time since Selwyn has been able to fully worship together with one another. It has been a year since we have celebrated doors open, no masks, pew filling, hymn singing, peace sharing worship. And I haven't even been here long enough to experience that. But I do know what it feels like to miss gathering, to miss hugging and singing, miss celebrating milestones and gathering to grieve losses with one another that kind of longing we all share. So like this song asks, how do you measure a year? How have you measured this last year? I can't say that the first things that come to mind are daylights, sunsets, midnights, or cups of coffee, although there have been many. Maybe it is inches taking a day at a time, some days feeling like miles, Or even more accurately, is it strife? Seeing friends and family, brothers and sisters in Christ in conflict, in contention, struggle, friction, discord, and disunity. Unfortunately, that does seem a little more accurate. But strife is nothing new to Jesus. He is very present with us in the midst of it and seems to place himself right in the center. In the center of our struggles and pain, in the center of the city, and today in the center of the temple, all eyes on Jesus. He has already made his triumphant entry. He visited the temple, took a look around, and left. He then settled in Bethany for the evening with his disciples, and the next day decided to go back to the temple with the 12, which is where we find ourselves today. So this temple in Jerusalem, it was the center of economic and political life. The temple was actually the largest employer in Judea. In the time of year, it was Passover, so people were traveling to Jerusalem in droves. And it is Jewish tradition to travel to the temple during this year as an annual pilgrimage. People would bring their gifts and sacrifices to be dedicated to God, to worship, to commune, to squeeze and buy their way into the temple to have a moment with God. So Jesus and his disciples, they make their way through the city gates, up the hill and into the temple. And this wasn't any ordinary temple. It was made of the best materials that one could find. 
beautiful marble, incredible stonework, and columns that would rival the Roman Colosseum. The temple itself enclosed 35 acres. That's 13 American football fields. 13 football fields. Can you imagine? Well, this just sounds magnificent. So imagine all the hundreds and thousands of people that this place could hold. Imagine the hundreds and thousands of overpriced sodas, foam fingers, jerseys, cotton candy, nachos, and beer and wine that one could buy. My littles aren't old enough yet, but I have witnessed enough parents and families at football games to know that for kids, sporting events is kind of like the book if you give a mouse a cookie. If you give a kid a soda, they will need a Supreme Combo Bow Box to go with it. Once the Bow Box is finished, they will surely need an Italian ice cream in the hot Carolina heat. The Italian ice will get all over their shirt and the kid will need a jersey of their favorite player. And of course, as you're buying the jersey, they will notice the cotton candy at checkout. And well, if you give a kid cotton candy, they will surely need a soda to wash it down. Now at the temple, instead of stadium vending, there were tables lined with coins where people had to exchange their money for proper currency. You had to have the proper currency to pay to get into the temple. And you were also charged a service fee for that. Then there were those who were selling doves, pigeons, sheep, and cattle that one could buy as an offering, a gift for God. And that's if you had the means and the money. Essentially what was happening here is these vendors were overcharging and making unfair profits off of the people. The temple looked more like a marketplace or a warehouse for overpriced doves. The pilgrimage to the temple was one that families would work hard for and save for each year. You could make the trip if you had the means to travel in the first place. You could make the pilgrimage if you had enough money to exchange for proper currency. If you had enough money to buy an offering for God. And if you had enough money to make it back home. Or I imagine if you were the wealthy or elite that lived inside the city gates, well, they would simply just walk down the block, skip the lines because they had proper currency, and grab a dove because their uncle was the vendor, and go before God. There was a sharp contrast in society between those who were in and those who were out those who lived inside the city gates and those who lived outside the walls. And outside those gates were not the suburbs. No, outside the city walls lived the beggars, the prostitutes, and those deemed undesirable. Landless peasants who drifted towards the city during the day in search for honest work. They required access during the day, but then were locked out at night. Those who controlled the city gates controlled access to society. The vendors who stood at the doors of the temple became the ones who said if you were in or you were out. They were dictating the rules, the procedures, and the cost for gaining access to God. They were controlling God's house. The conflict, the contention, the struggle, that's something for Jesus to be upset about. Should we not be upset about it too? 2,000 years later, and we're still seeing this today. Our society is constantly telling people who is in and who is out. And as people of faith, we still wrestle living by the successful standards of this world and not under the love and grace of God. You may feel some righteous indignation just as Jesus does, and it's okay to be mad and frustrated and upset with the status quo. Jesus was too. 
No wonder he started flipping tables and throwing people out of the temple. He was opposing its corruption. Flipping tables in the faces of power, in, the, in front of authorities, chief priests, and scribes who began to plan his ultimate demise. Wood clashing against the marble floor, the sound of thousands of coins hitting the ground one by one, doves frantically flying above, sheep baiting as they run back and forth amok, buyers and sellers fleeing the temple as onlookers and the disciples stand back in utter shock. This last year of our lives, this pandemic has been flipping tables in our society. The world as we know it has radically changed, uncovering pain and suffering, some that is new and some that has been present for centuries. These pieces that have been left shattered will never fit back this, the same way again, and honestly, nor should they. We stand back and look at the wreckage aghast, unable to speak, to find the words, to figure out what to do next. But we have the opportunity to rebuild, to amend, and to reconcile. And Jesus doesn't just stop there. Of course, he takes a few minutes to teach. In the verb to teach that is used in this passage, it suggests a continuation of teaching. So these few verses that we see were probably not the only words that he said, and I have a feeling that he probably said a lot more. Jesus says, is it not written my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. Jesus is referencing the prophets Isaiah and Jeremiah, which would have been familiar to those standing in the temple. My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations. This particular reference comes from the book of Isaiah, which reads, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. Thus says the Lord God, who gathers the outcasts of Israel. I will gather others to them besides those who are already gathered. This is a vision for all people, including Jews and Gentiles, the outcast and those present those who can afford an overpriced dove and those who cannot. All peoples, all the nations, this small word we read over means each and every. It's a totality, a completeness, all, not a single one left out. As my language professor would say, go back and count again. Our society, these systems don't get to be the gatekeepers. They don't have the final word. We don't get to say who is in and who is out. That isn't our job, which is actually quite freeing. What if instead we chose love, we chose to amend, and we chose to reconcile? I stumbled upon a poem written by Amina Brown. She's um, a spoken word artist and performer. And this reading comes from a, a poem called, How Do You Know When You're Hearing From God? Amina writes, God's ears don't assess bank accounts or social status before they attune themselves to the story your tears or your fears are telling. God's ears are here for the babies for the immigrant, for the refugee, for the depressed, for the lonely, for the dreamers, the widow, the orphan, the oppressed and the helpless, those about to make a mess or caught in the middle of cleaning one up. Dirt, dirt don't scare God's ears. God is a gardener. God knows things can't grow without sun, rain, and soil. 
Friends, Jesus is flipping tables for the grieving, for the suffering. Jesus flips tables to dismantle systemic oppression and racism. Jesus flips tables for those living in tents and those who struggle with food insecurity. And Jesus will keep flipping tables. In the words of John Lewis, Jesus is still in the business of getting into good trouble. The one who does and will continue to put himself in the middle, in the center of conflict, of strife, of contention, of struggle, of discord and disunity. Because he doesn't care about the status quo, he cares about radical love and hospitality. He didn't come to affirm the unjust and hypocritical practices of society. He cares about the blind and the lame, the underserved and the marginalized, the suffering, the grieving, those in quarantine, those fighting for their lives, those overwhelmed by stress and by society, and not because of anything we have done, but because he loves us that much. The tables have been flipped. Where can we begin to love and to amend and to reconcile? Where can we begin to offer grace? I pray that those are the words that measure this next year of our lives. We are to bear witness to Jesus Christ in the world. We get to participate in the reconciling work of God. And that's hard work, but it begins within ourselves. It begins at our dinner tables, at our places of work, in our relationships to those around us. It begins with our neighbors next door and those in the shelters. We get to point to Jesus and say that it does not take an overpriced dove because the most precious lamb, Jesus Christ, has already bared the burden and suffered the death for all. Amen. join our hearts and minds together in prayer. Gracious and loving God, you created this world in beauty and called it good. We see the daffodils emerging, pink buds on the trees, and feel the sunshine after a cold, wet winter and a very long and trying year. For this, we give thanks. 
You created us in your image with the same goodness and beauty of nature, and yet you have more wonderfully restored us in Christ. Your mercies are new every day, and we are renewed each day to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with you. You reveal to us just who you are and just what your love looks like in Jesus Christ, calmer of life's storms, tamer of the chaos, peacemaker amid turmoil, food for the hungry, healer of the wounded, teacher to the wise, and advocate for the underdog. You turn our world and understanding of it upside down, not just tables. We like to be comfortable, Lord, but you seem to afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted. I'm grateful when I'm afflicted and bask in your comfort, but it sure is hard when I'm comfortable. Following you is both easy and hard. Help us to trust in you when our way is not clear. Help us to take one more step, go one more day, and keep walking by faith. Help us to risk when we are fearful and temper our impatience. Help us to look upon life as good and in hard times to see the glass of life as half full rather than half empty. Help us to rejoice as we live and walk in your beautiful world. Help us to see the world afresh as you see it, with excitement and wonder and joy, and help us to see the reflection of Jesus in each face. Help us to see in every new challenge not just an obstacle, but a possibility for participating in your work and sharing your love with a hurting world. Refashion and mold our spirits and make us disciples who make an impact upon your world. Lord, we lift to you in our prayers those troubled places of this city and earth where violence reigns, poverty strangles, and where people suffer. We know you are at work in all these places. Show us our part, Lord. May your justice reign. May your peace prevail, and may we see what breaks your heart, causes you to flip tables, and join you in setting those tables straight in this place. We ask all this in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The first line of that hymn we just sung says, Arise, your light is come, the Spirit's call, obey. During this time, we invite you to listen and consider just how you might obey the Spirit's call to discipleship. There are many ways, and you can choose more than one. We have Bible studies, prayer groups, service opportunities. We have three Lenten mission projects addressing issues of homelessness, hunger, and children in need right here in our community. You can support the work of the church with financial gifts. More information about all of these can be found in our church notes and on our church website. And our text to give number is 704-734-9818. How will you obey the Spirit's call this day? night I lay asleep in, there came a dream so fair, 
I stood in old Jerusalem beside the temple there. I heard the children singing, and ever as they sang, methought the voice of angels from heaven in answering, methought the away. 
let us pray together as we dedicate our gifts to God. Loving and generous God, we thank you for the time, talents, and resources you graciously call us to steward. We bring our offerings as a symbol of our commitment to continue the work you have called us to, the work of reconciliation for justice and peace in the world and in our community. Bind these our gifts to your will so that we may continue to bear witness to your grace in a broken world. Amen. Friends, as we begin to emerge back into the world, let us be attuned for the ways to love, to amend, and to reconcile. And go from this place praising God, who sends us into the world to proclaim the gospel and to work for wholeness and peace. Go in peace.